to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder, and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should. Here's your host, Mark Davin. All right, people. We've got with us, all the way from Australia, a guitarist that I got turned on to about, so I, it's going to be about six months ago now, and uh, I've been back and forth with his people um, trying to find a time to make this happen, and we finally did. And uh, he's got a new record out. It's actually not a new record. It's been out a little bit now, but uh, it's a great record, and it's called Blue Skies. We've got Maddie T. Wall with us. How are you, Maddie? I'm great. I'm great. How you doing? Well, man, well. Um, I tell you, this record is its so interesting how you weave in and out of um, different feels and vibes. And uh, you're one of those guitar players that that can really do that. You, you, uh, you know, I was, I was, of course, you know, doing my research on you, reading your bio and all, and you know, you you can do anything from something really heavy rock kind of a thing to kind of a jump blues, a a, a jazz influence blues. How do you feel about that when you when you're shifting gears like that? Is it is it is it difficult for you, especially live? Uh, not really. Um, um, to me, it's it's all about um, different moods and you know different different textures, different shades of music. And, and to me, music is all all music. Um, and I I really enjoy shifting from from one to another. Um, you know, like like you said, I've, I've played in many different genres of music, but I, I like to really mix it up now because it's just it, it keeps it interesting for me especially it keeps keeps it interesting to play the music yeah does it ever get hard when, when you're deciding okay well okay i've got a record i'm going to put out a record i want to i'm going to go in and record how do i choose how do i create an ebb and flow all the way through yeah well that that can be hard um a bit with this album i've basically had about 15 songs that are brought in and um and we, we recorded them all and, and, and just to see how they would go, and uh, five of them didn't quite make, make the cut, um, so we ended up with ten. Um, but I'm always, with this record, I was always trying to work out in my mind the, um, the order of the songs. You know, we'd have, we'd have like a few, few heavy, upbeat ones, and then it'd go, go down into a slower sort of ballad. Um, always trying to think about that. When you sit down, and you listen to some of the old classic albums. You, there's, there's, a, there's a certain flow, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not always back to back, you know, rock. Yeah, there's, there's some white ones in there, and it, it keeps it keeps it interesting. Yeah, for sure, definitely. It's, uh, light and shade. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, with this record. Um, I mean, it's it's so it's really interesting. I mean, here you went ahead and you you did a Keb Mo tune on here. You've got yep. uh, Hellhound on my trail by Robert Johnson, and then you had the gall to do Voodoo Child. Now, it's been done so many times. What what? <laughs> and I love the song, and I love to play the song, and I love to hear the song. But what made yeah. you say, okay, screw it, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do this. Uh, I suppose a couple of things um, because this is my first album. A lot, a lot of the tunes were tunes that worked really well live, and uh, that song had got to the stage where it, it, it had turned into something, something quite extraordinary. So that was definitely going to be a part of the album. But um, 
we had a, a blues player from, from my hometown in Perth a long, long time ago, uh, and he covered Jimi Hendrix on his, his first album. That was Dave Hole. And he did a version of Voodoo, Voodoo Child, the, um, uh, uh, no, Purple Haze, Purple Haze on his first album. So um, that gave me the courage, I suppose, to, uh, to try it. <laughs> 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 well, it's great. It's, I mean, you know, once again, another take on this song. You know, and it's always interesting to hear how somebody's going to do a take on this particular song. And, and you, you had said that these were songs that you were doing live. Mm-hmm. Was was a record recorded primarily live, or was it all step? Yeah, record? pretty much. That that Voodoo Child is just a single take, pretty much. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and it was just one of those one of those moments that just captured it. So uh, yeah, that was that was good. And. And really, I was trying to, um, you know, one of my favourite Hendrix albums is Bound of Gypsies, and listening to um, Machine Gun, I was trying to channel that sort of vibe mm-hmm. halfway through the song, and uh, and almost almost pulled it off. Or I think it came out okay. Yeah. Hello. Hello, you can hear me. Yep. Yeah. You were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think that came out okay. I think uh, I got sort of close to that machine gun sort of vibe in the middle of that song. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, that's that's one of the slow blues songs of Hendrix's that I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Red, ha- Red House is done by everyone, but I thought I'd give it, give that yeah, that shot a go, th- that song a go. Yeah. Yeah. So how long had you been playing these, you know, a lot of these, these original tunes live before you recorded them? Oh, not long. Only like uh, maybe eighteen months. Uh-huh. Not too long. Not too long. So um, yeah, I just got uh, set up with a bass player and and, um, and drummer, and we started working on a blues band idea, and it, it came together and started to go in all sorts of directions, mm-hmm. which is great because we all all had some uh, you know very eclectic influences. Yeah. So it came together well. Well, that's always interesting when you when you've got people who. Or coming from different places, and they bring something into the original music. It's it's always it's it's nice to have that that melting pot, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to play music that's that sounds the same, you know, as, as what's <clears throat> what's been done before. You want to add something new to it, and and really, that's by you know bringing in strange influences, or what what some people would call strange influences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, being, you, you don't hear about a lot of blues uh, players that are also, you know, big Metallica heads either. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think deeper. Texas, Texas band Pantera, I'm big fans of those. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I think that's, you know, that, that helps add to the fire of it all, mm. you know, especially, yeah. especially with some of the tracks on here. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've always liked really intense music, and I've always been drawn to really intense music. And uh, you know, like like I said, I was I was into heavy metal when I was younger, mm-hmm. and uh, then I watched some um, some Buddy Guy playing some pretty intense blues, and that sort of turned me on to blues. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in Perth, huh? Yeah, yeah, I lived here most of my life, pretty much. What's Perth like? Well, it's. Um, it's, it's it's known as one of the world's most isolated capital cities. So it's right in the middle of nowhere, miles from anywhere. It takes five hours by plane to get to somewhere else, um, and population's only about one and a half million, something like that. So it's it's not a huge place, 
And uh, but there's a lot of lot of music comes from here. You know, Bon Scott from ACDC, he's from Perth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Hutchins from Inexcess is from Perth. John Butler Trio from Perth. So there's 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 a lot of music happening here. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it's so isolated, um, uh, when we do get bands who come to Perth, they're generally big major touring artists. So we've got to compete with that. Mm-hmm. And how often does that happen? Is it very? Um, it really depends on the dollar. When the when the dollar's doing well, we get a lot of touring acts. But when the dollar's doing not so well, mm-hmm. we don't get so many. Mm-hmm. So, you know, economy, economy wise, but we uh, we don't get as many as Sydney and Melbourne. That's for sure. Right. So it actually kind of helps in regards to a, a music scene, a, a local music scene. Then. Yeah. Yes and no. The 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 bad part, I suppose, is we can't go touring to to places so often. You know, there's there's not a lot we can do. Here, right. So. Um, most musicians here are in five or six bands all at the same time, and that's pretty common around here. But people are coming out to see see live music. Yeah, but the the musicians in the bands they're they're in five or six bands all at the same time. Oh wow! If you, if, yeah, if you if you play in one band, you know, every night of the week in such a small town, you generally wear out your welcome. So you've got to. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, well, <laughs> talk about yeah. That's really going to do a lot for your chops. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, growing up, I mean, wh- who was the first person you heard that you said, "I want to play guitar"? Uh, when I was really young, um, uh, you know, well, I would have been about ten years old, something like that. Um, a mate from school gave me a cassette tape, a green cassette tape with. Uh, ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap and that you know as a 10 year old that was the coolest thing you could ever hear yeah. like ACDC and uh, from from then I sort of progressed into the heavier things into uh, into you know Metallica and so on and so on and uh, then I came across um, Gary Moore Still Got the Blues and you know at the time I was listening to Metallica it's pretty heavy you know guitar screaming guitar sort of thing so to hear Gary Moore play blues in that style really was appealing to me. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started to research back and listen to more, uh, you know, more original blues. You know, uh, you know the Robert Johnsons, the BB Kings, the um, Albert Collins. I'm a big fan of Albert Collins, mm-hmm. um, Body Guy, and all that. Really brought me back. Yeah, it's so interesting when they like you know. I've been I've been uh, working on. Um, I've been doing research for a book, and it's always interesting to go back and see where stuff comes from, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear certain people play, and you go, "Oh, well, how? Where did they get that from? You know, where did yeah, that originate yeah. from?" Like just recently, mm-hmm. I, just recently, I discovered there there was a guy in 1949 who came out yep. with a, a six track record. Um, his name was Gory Carter. G O R E E Carter, and he. Yep. This is 1949, and he was playing Chuck Berry licks. Wow! Long before Chuck Berry was playing these these licks, so you wonder to yourself, at some point in time, did Chuck Berry hear that? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like when you hear Stevie Ray Vaughan. When I hear Stevie Ray Vaughan, I hear a direct mixture mixture of Jimi Hendrix. And Albert King. Albert King, yep, totally. That's, I hear that, that there's this mashup of that. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, along with other stuff, too. Like, you know, here's some Albert Collins in there. Albert Collins, yeah. Yeah, but... Pretty thing. But, yeah, it's always interesting to me to, to hear about, you know... So what do you think that, you know, after learning ACDC and being into Metallica and then hearing Gary Moore, who was just such a searing hard rock and metal player, and then when he moved over to the blues, he did something for the blues that, you know, is is still being as felt as heavy as it was when he first did it as what Stevie did. What... Um, yeah. You know, for, so for you, what what do you think? Your, what was your takeaway from all those people? Like, if you were to look at different parts of what of your playing and your approach, mm. what did you mm. what did you what did you? You know, Stravinsky said, "Good composers don't borrow; they steal." What did you mm-hmm. What did you steal? Well, I mean, with with Gary Moore, it was really the uh, the Gibson into the Marshall that his tone just blew me away. Yeah. His tone was just incredible on that album. And uh, um, and you know he, he he was doing a lot of Albert King style bends, and then when I heard Steve mm-hmm. Ray Vaughan, he did a lot of Albert King style bends as well. Yeah. And um, you know Steve Ray Vaughan's got that great tone, but he's also got that that intensity. You know, he, he, when when you watch his you know like El Macambo gig or something yeah. like that, and see see him play, it's just intense, intense, and it's just nonstop notes coming out. It's crazy. It's you know like John Coltrane sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that. That intensity is, is what I is what I, I loved, and uh, so I got a lot of that. You know, I realised that you, you could play like that in the blues. Not all the time, obviously. You know, you got to uh, you got to have different shades, and you know, get yeah. slower and deeper and, and darker and those sorts of things. Right. Um, but you know, I was also listening to things like Django Reinhardt and mm-hmm. um, you know, Gypsy Jazz and, and John Schofield, like fusion jazz. So you know, there's, there's so many different things I was listening to it you know, in different, different times. Yeah. That's what I, and I like, that's what I like about you. And it's, you know, when I hear, hear this record and I hear you play, I, I can almost tell that you, 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 you have a wide palette. You don't, you didn't get stuck. You didn't get, uh, you didn't get pigeonholed at all. And, uh, and that, to me, that's really appealing. I like that a lot. Well, I suppose Um, like, uh, having played so many different, you know, uh, I, I play flamenco guitar at a wedding, or you know, I play solo jazz guitar or something like that. So many different hats, I suppose. And uh, now it, it just feels comfortable to play whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's not like I'm trying to do this style or trying to do that style. It's just I start playing it and it feels comfortable. So um, uh, I feel like in a, in a good place to be able to play that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's 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 there your playing is definitely there how long have you been playing now um i think i was about 11 or 12 when i first started playing hmm. obviously learning acdc licks <laughs> or acdc riffs <laughs> yeah so i was actually um to, to begin with it was more um riffing that i found appealing mm-hmm. so i love playing acdc riffs and when i learned metallica I, I wasn't really um chasing kirk hammett licks i was really like uh impressed with james setfield's rhythm playing yeah that's really i wanted to be james setfield so yeah. um i'm a very rhythmical player yeah well it's, it's so funny like it, no one gives malcolm malcolm young uh, enough credit it wasn't until he mm. he uh had to leave the band that everybody was like 
Oh no, it's the foundation. I mean, they they. I mean, his his nickname was the Riff Master, right? Yeah, totally. And he had that tone, that that oh. who tone, the Pete Townsend, you know, yes. Gretchen to Gretchen to Bassman sort of style oh, yeah. tone. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a Gretsch into into a Marshall playing cowboy mm-hmm. chords. Yeah. Like, holy crap. It's just got that tone. It's, it's got that tone. Yeah. Gigantic. Yeah, it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, could, uh, you could actually hear the wood of the guitar resonating. Yeah. Um, so uh, now when you guys go out and play this, you go out and play in Perth live and all. Um, yeah. How how is this getting received? I mean, now are you still having to go around and play in all different bands too? Um, no, not so much. I'm I'm generally just playing is in this band now, and because uh, I'm also you know managing and, and and booking and doing all that all that hard work on the side as well. And there's a lot of work involved in doing that. Yeah. Um. So pretty much this is this is my my thing at the moment. Um, but yeah, we're, we're playing around Australia, playing in different festivals, and hopefully we can get over to uh, over the states and over to the Europe, over to Europe in uh, 2017, play some festivals. That will be fantastic. Yeah, well, so. Europe, Europe is is where it's at when it comes to blues too. I mean, they're just so they're so rabid and they're so open and welcoming to yeah. to all of it. So yeah, absolutely. So it's great for you. I mean, here you, you know, this time of year, it's summer for you. So you can do all the festivals yeah. there and do that. And then when yep. summer rolls around for everyone else, you can hit Europe and maybe the U.S. even. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, so I, there's a track uh, on the record and also there's a video out there on YouTube of this one track that just is just I, I sat there and watched it and I was like it's so fluid so you make it look so damn easy and it's not uh, it's a track it's a track called uh, Scorcher yeah where'd that come from? Um, that came out of a bit of a jam that we had um, in the band and uh, it was actually the riff for Scorcher was going to be an intro to another song and uh, the drummer was like Oh, why don't you just uh, play that over and over and over again? And I was I was started playing, and he was, he started playing his bit to it, and uh, we built this built this uh, this song. And it, it feels to me a lot like um, uh, that Steve Ray Vaughan song off Texas Flood. What's that? Um, oh, forgotten now. The oh. one um, after Testify. This the one after that. Oh, the one after Testify. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, uh, rude mood. That. that Rude mood. It reminds me of. It reminds me yeah. of that. But, um, yeah. Um, obviously, brought to a different place with some big heavy power chords in there as well. So yeah. it's uh, it's sort of taking it in a different direction. But, yeah, but um, you're but you're also playing jazz lines across there too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, break into a bit of a jazz a jazz section. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's something different, just a, a different uh, different mood in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a favorite of mine to play, and and by the end of it, we, we generally play that song last in in the gigs, and and my fingers are ready to fall off after we finish playing that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. it's it's yeah. it's good to hear you say that, only because when I watched you play it, I was like, son of a bitch, how am I gonna? I can't play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit, bit of practice involved to keep the chops up to play that song for sure. Yeah. Oh man. So why did you pick uh, Blue Skies as the uh, title track? Um, I suppose, 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of albums that I've that I'd heard over the years, you know, from the sixties and seventies, they generally pick the most the most radio friendly song to call it. So the Blue Skies song um, that was actually written for um, uh, someone very close to me who who um, had a marriage breakup, and it was it was quite a difficult time for her. So that song was written for her, and it, it came across as as quite a quite a strong sort of commercial mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd I thought I'd put that one out there, but um, um, that song's doing well, very well. But it's also like the Kev Mo song, the Am I Wrong song, that's going quite well at the moment. Yeah. So you know, who, who knows? Yeah, this is my first album. I had no idea what I was doing, so but trying it out there. <laughs> well, you're doing okay <laughs> for someone who didn't know what they're doing. You're doing pretty good. Um, so when, when it comes to gear. Uh, yep. Is your is your studio rig? I like, I like talking gear. Oh, good, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so when, when it comes to gear, is 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 your studio rig the same as your live rig, or is there is there a change? Um, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of different amps, amps from you know old '60s Fenders through to to like new. Just got a latest amp I picked up was a Metropolis Metroplex. Uh huh. Um, killer Marshall style amp that one and um, I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of speakers try out different speakers <laughs> um, yeah so um, at the moment the rig that I play through I've got a 1961 um, Les Paul Custom or SG Custom as, as we call it now yeah um, but what it would have been a Les Paul Custom when it came out in 1961 so I've got I've got one of those and they're very um, with the ebony board and with there's not much wood in them uh, mm. So they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of bass, and they're very focused with that ebony board. So yeah. I need a, a really really big sounding amp. So I've got a Carol Ann, and uh, that's a huge sounding amp. That one, very thick, very fat sounding. It's sort of it's based off a uh, the circuit is like a JPM forty five one hundred circuit. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that that sort of that sort of sound. Um, but I think it's got like a Dumble style preamp. So it's very articulate at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, and I settled on some eminent speakers for that really massive sounding eminent speakers. I've got this um, this eminence Commonwealth. It's got a uh, aluminium dome. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's got that brightness on top. Um, but it weighs 12 kilos, which is, what's that? What's that in pounds? 20 pounds? It's, yeah, something like that. Pounds. It's crazy, crazy. It's the heaviest guitar speaker I've ever had, but the bottom end is massive on this thing. So... It makes that SG sound like a Les Paul, which is uh, what I was trying to get to. Yeah, you know, back to Gary Moore again. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't afford a fifty-nine Les Paul. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that Les that that Les Paul you're playing that that SG Les Paul, whatever you want to call it, that was uh, when that came out. He didn't. He didn't like that one. No, he didn't. Yeah, he and, didn't want to play it. Right, he didn't want to play it. But but Mary Ford played that one a lot. Mm, and Sister Rosetta Tharp. Oh yeah, and Sister Rosetta Tharp, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Did she play the three pickup one though? Uh, yeah, she did. She did. That's right. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's a yeah, it's, it's a great sound. But with with the you know, I've been through Les Pauls, but I just I can't I can't handle not being able to play those really high notes. I like being able to just fly all over the fretboard. Yeah. So, uh, I like the SG. Oh yeah, you'll get that with the SG. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm actually looking at a picture of this one right now, and it it, it is nice. 
1961s, the, the heel on the 1961s is very small. Yeah. So you can bring your hand right up to the top and there's plenty of room, plenty of room up there. Yeah. Um, later on in the 60s and in the 70s, the, the heel of the of the neck joint stuck right out. So you couldn't really play up high. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the 1961s that have got so much room up the top. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great guitar. It's it's really a good looking good looking instrument. It looks like it's been around the block too. Yeah, yeah, that one in particular that I played on the album. That one, uh, it's got a few battle scars. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't mind the look of the battle scar guitar, thanks to uh, Stevie. Yeah. So what's the, what's your uh, what's your backup guitar? Do you just go out with that um, one? Yeah, I generally bring along a Strat. So if I'm so I can play voodoo child because that's tuned down to d so i uh-huh. i'll bring along a, a, a strat now that one's a um that's a a bits of caster it's got a uh it's got a i think it's like 2010 american strat neck it's got a warm with one piece older body and it's got um kinman noises pickups on there and it sounds great mm-hmm. very hendrix sounding strat that one so that's my backup and uh recently i've been looking at um karina explorers yeah, I've got a um, I've got an Epiphone one. Yeah, they just reissued. Something. Yeah, Epiphone just mm. reissued that in the V, and it's a good friend of mine just got both, and they're he says they're they're amazing for, mm. for a, the price of the Epiphone one. That's crazy, crazy. So I've been looking at a Gibson one. They're they're really quite expensive, like a nineteen eighty three. Yeah, reissued Gibson. Yeah, Arena. They're like ten grand. Yeah, yeah, and the and the Epiphone is five hundred American. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. So okay, so then, so then, out of guitars and from there, what's on the floor as far as pedals? Anything? Um, no, I've actually gone back to nothing, nothing at all, nothing um, at all, you know, back to, nothing at all. Back to like Gary Moore, straight into the amp. Wow. Uh, yeah. Even on Voodoo Child, no wah. Uh, no, I have to use a while on that strap from <laughs> Voodoo Child. Okay. Um, but yeah, generally just straight in. And I, I've been uh, playing a um, uh, a tape delay in the effects loop. So okay. It's a, uh, it's a it's a Strymon pedal. Oh yeah. Um, the tape delay one, and yeah. uh, that's sounding real good. I, <clears throat> I generally stayed away from from reverb, but a tiny little little bit of tape delay gives it that nice big sound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so what's your what's your road amp? Um, Carol Ann. So I'll bring that, oh, that okay. amp everywhere. That's the one. Yeah, I, I, I even bring the cabinet with those eminent speakers. No, in stick that stick that in in the luggage. Who's and, uh, who's carrying that? <laughs> who's carrying that? Oh uh, yeah, I carry it, but um, it's not that heavy. <laughs> it's not that heavy. But uh, my, my bass player, he's uh, Stephen Walker. He's a, a personal trainer, so he doesn't mind carrying some heavy gear. That's helpful. <laughs> That's great. That's good. And and you bring the you bring the organ out on the road or no? Oh, it's just a three piece. No, no, yeah, just a three piece. Um, the organ player who played on the album, he's incredible. Um, Gordon Kant, his name is. He's 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 Swiss, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, brilliant player and. Um, Generally, if I do big shows in Perth, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them along. But um, I'd like to get them out on the road one day. Yeah, because it definitely adds to the sound. Yeah, but there is something really great about that air in a three-piece. Mm. 
you've got all that open space where you can fill in all you can get very creative within that yeah i can throw in lots of crazy flat five chords and yeah you know, all sorts of different things yeah and uh yeah a lot of room you know you can go from really all out rock to really quiet yeah quiet shades and uh you know, like like I said at the start of the interview, that I, that's what I like doing, creating different shades, you know, really, really big music then down into quieter sort of stuff. You know, I, I grew up listening to, obviously, Metallica did a lot of that, and then Nirvana came out. They were doing all that as well, you know, yeah. huge, big choruses and then quiet, clean verses, and that that was a normal thing to me. So trying to do that with the blues is, uh, is my next challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it, right? Hendrix did it. Uh, you know, yep. it was it was it was could be furious one minute and really really poignant and, and very tender the next. Uh, yeah. Stevie mm-hmm. Stevie did it. Um, Buddy Guy does it to this day. Yeah. Although yep. it's funny as he gets older I and mean, what is he eighty? Is he eighty two or eighty three now? And now he now he just wants to play balls out all the time. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't it? it is wild. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's wild. I mean, you know, I saw him with Jeff Beck, and uh, yeah, and and oh, recently, in yeah. his uh, recent tour, yeah. yeah, and Beck was just like Beck kept covering his ears because it was so fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I really, I really like the way that Buddy Guy plays. He's sort of like um, he he lets go. Mm-hmm. Just, he, he's got no boundaries. Um, you know, like some. Uh, some guitarists would think, oh, he's playing out of tune or he's out of time or he's whatever, but it's it's sort of like he's got no boundaries. You yeah, know? he's just and going he, for he bends it. He bends the note wherever he wherever the hell he wants to bend it. Yeah. He, there's no rules. He doesn't bend it, you know, like a full step. He'll bend it however he, the hell he wants to. And yeah. it's, it's, that's freedom. That's freedom to play like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, and he's the last of his, of that generation. Um mm. You know, it's it's interesting, and he's and he doesn't show any signs of slowing down either, which is amazing. Let's hope he keeps going. Yeah, do you get to see see acts like that come into Perth or no? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Buddy Guy a couple of times, so uh, we do occasionally get acts like that coming to Perth, and when they do, you've got to go because it might be the last time you see them. Yeah, very true. It's, it's a bit like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, the the last last big concert i went to actually was acdc and that was the loudest freaking concert i've ever heard um apparently the uh the control tower at the airport was complaining that's how loud it was it was an outdoor show <laughs> it's crazy that's it was weird. an outdoor show and it was like if you were in a in a small club and you had a band and they had a hundred watt marshals cranked up as loud as they can and the loudest drum you've ever heard that volume that you hear in a club it was like that but it was outdoor at the same time, so it was just an insane amount of watts in that PA system. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. I, I think, think uh, I had um, ringing ears for two weeks, oh and that's my, no joke. My uh, ears were ringing for two weeks. Oh after that. my lord! I would have gotten nervous after a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe they were trying to drown out Axel. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Well, no, that was with Brian Johnson. So that was. Oh, that was uh, with Brian. Okay. Maybe the one that was the one that killed his hearing. That could be. It could be the one that did, did him. That did him yeah. in, yeah. It's for me when 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 Brian when Brian couldn't continue. I was like, well, that's it for me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and without, now without Mal- without Brian, yeah, it's a bit hard. Yeah, without Brian and then no Malcolm and and now Cliff mm-hmm. is stepping away. So yeah, you know, 
I, I, I don't know if they're going to continue. No. No, they had a good run. A great run. Great run. Yeah, I, th- I think the, um, they were trying to outlast the Stones, but I don't think anyone will. No, no, you can't. <laughs> do that. Uh, what did Robin Williams say? Robin Williams said, "When the when the world is destroyed, uh, the only thing that'll be left is cockroaches and Keith Richards." And Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right. <laughs> so, if you had to pick a favorite track off this record, what would you say it is? Ooh. Um... Oh, that's really hard. That's really hard. There's quite a few favourites on there. You know, well, what's, your Scorcher, favorite, what's your favourite to play live? Hellhound. What's your favourite to play favorite live? One. Play live would have to be Scorcher, hmm. for sure. Yeah, I love playing that. Yeah. Well, that's a track that stuck out for me. Um, I like Burning Up, Burning Down, too. Yeah. That's a killer. Um, but yeah, Scorcher was just, it, it really just kicked me in the ass. It was great. Well, hopefully there'll be some more of that stuff on the next album. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so, do, do you do you still practice, or is it just now? It's just you're playing all the time. You really don't need to practice. Um, I do some um, some warm up exercises every day. I make sure I do like ten minutes of of warm up. You know, like um, when I was growing up. A big. I used to get Guitar World magazines, and, and one of the big stories was Steve Vai's, you know, ten-hour guitar workout sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that that was for me. Um, doing something like that has, has sort of uh, advanced my playing quite a bit. So I do crazy fingering and bends and, and tremolo picking and all sorts of crazy stuff as much as I can. Squeeze it into ten minutes just to really warm up my my wrist and my and my fingers yeah and as long as i do that 10 minutes a day then i'm pretty limber well, and then i just just jam jams and stuff yeah and then after that it's just about riffs and stuff whatever is going to come up for a new a new song maybe yeah 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 that's it yeah yeah so what's the what's the uh possibility of you guys coming over to the states to play uh well of um I've got some interest from a, uh, a festival up in, um, in San Francisco way, so right. hopefully that that might happen. That's like August or September, something like that, and maybe I can make it over to uh, Texas as well. That'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be great. I've, yeah, I've got yeah, I've got like a I've got a, a feeling that um, Western Australia and Texas is very similar. They're, they're very similar places, so they're they're miles away from all the capital cities. They're miles <laughs> away from anywhere else. They're, they're, they they do their own thing. They don't give a shit about the rest of the country, and they'd rather be their own country. And <laughs> and their music's got a bit of attitude, a bit of edge, and uh, and that's I, I definitely would feel at home in Texas. I could I could say yeah, that. I think you would, especially Austin. I mean, it's uh, yeah. you know, there's everything here. You know, it's, yeah. it has really become, it's a music, it's always been a music melting pot and it even mm. is more so now, but now it's becoming a yeah. melting pot in every, in every imaginable way, which is Yeah, great. well, you got South by Southwest though, so there, so that's really going to, yeah. you know, get a lot of, a lot of local artists going. Yeah, South by, and we've got ACL and yep. oh, it's just, you know, I mean, tomorrow night I'm going to see uh, uh, Billy Gibbons, Jimmy Vaughn. And Sue Foley oh, playing together. Oh so. man, you're making me so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be wild. It's the second time they're doing this. I saw them do it. Yeah. Uh, they just saw them do it last October, and that was just yeah. 
just mind bending. So it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. That's tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, you got to get here, man. That'd be great. I'll take you around. I'll yep. get you some barbecue, some real Texas barbecue. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way. Show you Antone's. Show you get bring you over to the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue. You yeah, know. man, that will blow my mind. Yeah, sure. and and the guitar stores <laughs> and the guitar stores in this uh, in in this uh, neck of the woods is is just incredible. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be picking up a few vintage guitars over there. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, Maddie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's so great to talk to you finally after listening to this record since I think I got it in I think I got it in June. The record came out in May, and yeah. Frank sent it to me in June, and I've been like I've been digesting it ever since. So yeah, it's really good, man. I wish you all the best with this. I really do. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. Well, we're going to sign off right here, but you hang on one second, okay? All right. Thanks so much. Check out Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr. And, of course, on guitarradioshow.com.